Hey everybody, this is Dr. Diane Mueller. Today we'll be mapping chronic fatigue syndrome on the 15 minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Diane Mueller. As a survivor of mold illness, Lyme disease and chronic IBS symptoms, and low libido, Dr. Diane Mueller is able to deeply empathize and understand how these sorts of conditions are beyond just the physical body. Just like many of her patients, Dr. Diane struggled with chronic fatigue, extreme digestive dysfunction, and chronic pain for many years with conventional medicine only offering mildly palliative treatments. Relationships were impacted as social isolation was part of life due to the nature of the disease. Dr. Diane's journey to heal herself led her to complete two doctorate degrees in holistic healthcare, and she now brings that wisdom forward and shares it with so many patients and today with all of us. Hello, Dr. Diane. Welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back again. I love these conversations with you and your complex understanding, or I should say your understanding of these complex syndromes particularly. And I'm eager to talk with you about chronic fatigue syndrome because, as I said, these syndromes in healthcare can be really confusing umbrella terms that leave us not knowing where to turn or what to look for and in that quick fix trap. So I'm wondering if you could just start us out by defining chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah. So I think it's a really important question because a syndrome, we get so lost sometimes in diagnostic labels and syndrome really is a label we give when we really don't know the root cause. It's really a conglomeration of symptoms that come together. So when we're saying chronic fatigue syndrome, we're really talking about fatigue that is coming from a situation where the root cause hasn't been determined. So we haven't been able to call the fatigue hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, for example. It's really when we've done some level of test and there's no root cause and somebody is very fatigued and it is lasting for weeks or months, that's where we can start to say this is now chronic fatigue syndrome. And the interesting thing in what you're speaking about, Dr. Diane, is that then we might get stuck looking for the solution 
for a syndrome that is a conglomeration of symptoms and we don't understand the root cause. So when we do that, we may be addressing the wrong thing or implementing protocols that aren't necessary or could even be damaging. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest dangers of using diagnostic labels like this is really that oftentimes they're the end point instead of the beginning point. So once we're able to say syndrome, that's when we really have to take a step back and do some of the things we're going to be talking about in this episode of saying, okay, well, why is this happening? Because the body, of course, is not going to get exhausted and tired for no reason. And 99.9% of the time, it is not something that somebody is just like making up in their mind. You know, that's a more of a rare thing, right? So it's a root cause type of thing that gets misdiagnosed sometimes when we put the label on and we don't go any further. Yeah, so much that you just said there. I mean, one of the things is that oftentimes people with chronic fatigue are in some ways gaslit because it isn't clear why it's happening. And so it's like they're making it up and they may go through years before they get somebody who does that deeper digging. If we go over to the central part of the matrix and we think about that deeper digging, what are some of the whys that are happening for patients that lead to this syndrome? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, what you're illustrating in your matrix really is so true because the matrix, like when I look at your matrix, I see the web, right? And so when we're looking at the matrix, we can look at with chronic fatigue syndrome, we can look, for example, at like certain environmental inputs that you put in here. So for example, mold toxins or other environmental toxins, we actually see that environmental toxins will increase reactive oxygen species in our body. And once we have these reactive oxygen species, what winds up happening is we actually start getting apoptosis. We get cellular death, sometimes even of our nerve cells, sometimes of our mitochondria. There's lots of literature on this. So like, for example, what I'm talking about here is like, we see this web with your matrix around the environmental inputs from things like mycotoxins from mold or other pesticides or herbicides, those can actually cause the part below in your matrix where we're talking about the oxidative stress and the energy production, that actually can come from that oxidative stress. So, you know, that's one example of, you know, major root causes to look for is really, yes, looking at some of the markers for things like mitochondrial problems, but also looking even a step further from that to say, well, what could be causing these mitochondrial problems? What could be causing this neuronal or other cellular death that's leading to problems in the body? Yeah. When I look at the matrix and I think through the lens of chronic fatigue, just like you're doing, Dr. Diane, it is a web and not everybody's going to have everything, but people likely have more than one thing going on because it's leading to other things. So I'm sure you see sluggish detoxification issues, hormonal issues, gut issues, inflammatory issues, all of which could contribute to chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. And then if we go further and look at like the immune and inflammatory balance, you know, that's something that I think from an immune system, like, you know, COVID situation, like one of the silver linings of, you know, of all of that chaos is it really did, I think, let people have a deeper sense of the impact of the immune system on their overall health. 
But there's all of these, you know, chronic hidden infections that occur even beyond the viral family. You know, we have Bartonella, we have Babesia, we have Lyme disease, we have a ton of other types of bacteria and parasites, whether they're systemic or gastrointestinal. And these types of microorganisms, a lot of them can burrow into tissues. And what gets really confusing from a chronic fatigue standpoint is we'll see situations where... Some of these infections, for example, they can go in and out of dormancy. So they can be alive and they can be putting extra havoc on the body, eating up all the nutrients, causing, you know, some of these neuronal problems I'm talking about and making somebody feel real, real fatigued. And then all of a sudden we can have a shift. And sometimes this is connected to the stress and the emotions that you mentioned here, but all of a sudden the microorganisms can go dormant. And that can make people feel crazy because all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe I'm not as fatigued. And then the bugs come out again and they go through their next cycle. And so some of chronic fatigue, for some people, we can see that it can be a little bit transient where some days are really severe and some days are not. And sometimes that can be insight as to, oh, maybe there's this microbial, say, root cause at the base of the chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, it's so fascinating to think about it through this web of interconnections because, again, we have to think about what's true for this person. And as I look at the matrix, I'm even thinking about chronic pain, which is chronic inflammation. So somebody could have a actual physical structural impairment that came from an accident or the way they hold their body. That leads to inflammation. That leads to fatigue because that's leading to oxidative stress, right? We have to understand the individual's why when it's manifesting as this syndrome. Yeah, it's for sure true. I mean, that's why I think, you know, looking at the matrix as, you know, not necessarily a beginning point and an end point, but more around like multiple causes is super important because even when we think about like our cellular membranes, for example, and like, and choline, right? Phosphatidylcholine is this nutrient that is super essential to make our cellular cells strong and make our membrane strong, which also is allowing our cells to communicate and talk to each other. So we see even when we have like nutrient deficiencies or when we're eating a lot of trans fats or, you know, poor, we have poor fats in our body that our cellular membranes become friable and they don't respond and communicate as well because of oftentimes receptor issues. And for many people, we can have chronic fatigue coming from basic things like this, like nutrient problems, which could be from diet. It could be from a gastrointestinal problem. But we also have to think about when we detox things like the biotoxins from infections or from environmental toxins, our biliary system, our gallbladder system uses a lot of choline for the processing and the eradication of toxins. So the choline could be less available to the cellular membranes because it's used for detoxification instead of cellular repair. And then we have this other mechanism through which we can have chronic fatigue simply because our cells are not communicating, exchanging energy, reacting to hormones properly, all of these types of things. I have two things that are coming to mind that I want to just reflect. I love how you're talking about choline. And this is a really interesting place to connect the dots between therapeutic diets and where they could, if done too long, induce 
signs and symptoms if we don't address deficiencies. So for instance, therapeutic diets that eliminate eggs, which are a great source of choline, could if not addressed, lead to deficiencies that could contribute to signs and symptoms. And this is one of the areas where, you know, for me, I'm always looking at like, what's the balancing act? Because sometimes people are removing to a detriment. Yeah. And what you said about therapeutic diet, you know, I think is a really important point, you know, the differentiation between like a you know, a lifestyle diet and a therapeutic diet, right? And sometimes these things are good to do temporarily and people get so into them that we get locked into these really strict eliminations that cause problems. Absolutely. And then the other thing you said earlier, Dr. Diane, about the thyroid, which of course is going to impact fatigue, but I see all too often there can be trends where there's a diagnostic trend like adrenal fatigue. So somebody is fatigued and it gets labeled as attributed to a certain organ or system in the body. And then that's treated while we're ignoring the glaring error in the system. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. It's so, you know, from the thyroid perspective, I think there's so much to be said there. One is as simple as, you know, our reference ranges, like some of the research I'm seeing on like free T3 really is showing that a lot of people are not having their thyroid symptoms go away as far as, you know, fatigue, but also things like hair loss and constipation from a hypothyroid perspective until the free T really reaches that upper end of the reference range, you know, which is like 4.4 and, you know, and by some labs, even a little bit higher. And, so there's one issue there, but you know, as we know, it's like the thyroid hormone is converted not from T4 to T3, not just in the thyroid gland itself, but in other parts of the body, like the small intestine. We know the thyroid is affected by things like mercury or other toxic metals. So I totally agree. It's like, you know, the question I think always comes back to asking why and asking why and asking why. So if it's hypothyroidism, okay, great. Let's do something about it and let's look at levels and you know monitor, make sure things are changing. But let's come back and say, well, what is attacking the thyroid? Why is this gland not working to the level it's supposed to? Right. Yeah. So important. And before we move on to like, what do we do about this? I just have to ask about iron. Like, do you see iron deficiencies a lot in those you're treating with chronic fatigue? Yeah, I'm glad you brought iron up. It's such an important nutrient. And I would say I see it some, you know, it's definitely not in the range of like the thing I see every time, but I do see it. And it's really, really important to also mention that I think we've gotten a little bit too deep sometimes in the functional world as far as really using ferritin as our iron marker. And ferritin's not really that great of an iron marker, you know, it's like it can tell us a little bit about iron and healthy iron levels, but ferritin is so related to inflammation. So there's other things that can trigger ferritin imbalances. So really making sure that we're doing things like TIBC and UIBC and, you know, transferrin saturation and iron to really get a full iron picture and not just using that ferritin is going to be so, so, so important for really diagnosing that correctly. Yeah, such a good point. And we'll link to an episode on iron along with a whole bunch of other related episodes, including your previous episode in the show notes. But let's switch gears and talk about 
where we go with this in practice, I mean, my takeaway, Dr. Diane, is we have to do a deeper dive. We have to ask why, but what else do we do when we're working with somebody with chronic fatigue to help us evaluate the why? I'd use the matrix, but what else? <laughs> I mean, your, your matrix looks very similar to, to my practice. So you and I are so much in alignment with our, you know, the way we look at these root causes. So yeah, I mean, very, very similar to what we're looking at here, you know, really determining through our whole review of symptoms, like what lab tests make the most sense from a, you know, a first say take at labs, because for most people, we're not going to test everything right, in, right away because it's out of pocket for many people. So, you know, doing our thorough analysis, say, let's start with labs. And then, you know, from that, making sure we're really looking at, you know, at diet, at lifestyle, at sleep, at stress, at emotions. You know, I really, you know, this, you know, this area you have kind of on the bottom of your matrix, which is mind, body, emotions, and community. From a fatigue standpoint, I feel like in many ways, this is like still, it's, it's getting better, but it's still one of the most under talked about areas. I think when it comes to things around like, if we are in the state where we are constantly in sympathetic overdrive, where we're running on adrenaline, you know, we're running on cortisol, we have all sorts of receptor dysfunction because our hormones are so high for so long, our receptors start being downregulated and they're not actually responding to even the hormonal signals. And all of that can happen with stress. So that's really, I think, the biggest thing when we're getting to the root cause is like, the number of people that I feel like, you know, just could benefit from figuring out, you know, what sort of sleep hygiene things or what things are actually impacting their sleep. Because from tracking things, I don't know about you, but like in helping people track things with like the aura ring and some of our other sleep tracking devices, it is amazing to me how many people are in bed a decent amount of time, but when we actually track their sleep, they don't really sleep well. Yeah, it's such a good point, Dr. Diane. And, you know, I'm hearing you say this and I'm thinking, don't underestimate the role of the nervous system. Don't underestimate the role of sleep and sleep quality. I've also seen in chronic fatigue, don't underestimate the role of dehydration, right? Like people not being hydrated and how what a difference that can make because of its benefit to the red blood cells function, the heartbeat, the heart rate, cellular integrity, and the diet like you're talking about. So that's what I hear you saying. Like we can go searching, but that tracking gives us further information to the realities that are actually going on for the individual. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a really important thing to just come back to because so many of us in this profession, it's so easy, you know, as clinicians to get so excited about the new research and the new study and the new lab tests. And I totally get it because I get excited about all of that. And we can get lost, I think, sometimes in like chasing all these things where it's like that book that was written decades ago, you know, you're not sick, you're thirsty, you know, it's like was a, such a great example of what we're talking about here of like, we can go down the very technical stuff, but let's not also when we're doing that, let's not get so excited about that, that we're forgetting about these fundamental pieces that sometimes are a huge, huge, huge piece of the root cause you know, of situations such as chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah. And like you're saying, even when we are fascinated with the complexities, those simple things can't be overlooked. 
in our understanding of the complex physiological function. I, I like to think of it as the simplicity on the other side of complexity, right? We can understand mitochondria, but don't disregard the role of hydration in mitochondrial <laughs> function, right? Like it's like, it's this funny thing that we do as clinicians. So Dr. Diane, this is such a great conversation. And I'm wondering what I didn't ask you that you wish you could shout from the rooftops or mountaintops about chronic fatigue that you feel like we're just getting wrong in practice? I mean, I think probably one of the biggest things really is, you know, this concept of it's not in your mind, right? Like the concept that whatever you are experiencing, like if you were told it's hypothyroidism and you're, you know, you try stuff and it's like, oh, this is not fully resolving it. Like the number of people who I think have been told that, or even have a situation. Like I had a client the other day tell me like, well, I've just figured that maybe I just had to decide that this is just good enough. One of my messages really is over and over again for people to be that self-advocate because good enough, what does that mean? Like good enough, like for you to live an okay life or if you are really wanting to feel your best and to have the you know biggest amount of health and happiness and longevity, like be that self-advocate, trust your symptoms. If you're not feeling like you're well, you're not well. And it's really, really that simple. Yes, such a good point. Dr. Diane, thank you for sharing your brilliance, your wisdom with us today and helping us to understand this complex syndrome more clearly. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me as always. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks go out to Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, Sandra Brower, Evan Hollingsworth, Heidi Kaufman-Lakowitz, and Rowan Bradley for their support making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.